You're listening to Movie Things with Lindsay and Gary. Episode 6. I'm trying not to get pure excited with the episode number every, every time I I've know. listened to the last few. I'm like, can you believe we're on 4? Can you believe we're on 5? Imagine we get to like 350 and I'm like, can't yeah. believe I'm on 300. <laughs> Still in complete disbelief <laughs> that we've made it this far. Aye, so episode 6. I was confident we'd get here and here we are. And this episode's called? You've got the shining. I've got the shining. We've all got this. Well, have we all got the shining? Some oh. people have the shining. Yeah, but this episode's called You've Got the Shining. We're talking to you. <laughs> the listener. <laughs> so this was released in 1980, which is quite funny because that what we discussed was like, let's do a film from the 70s. Yeah, we were so confident that The Shining was going to be from the 70s that we just went with it and then we realised it was actually out in 1980. So. But we're justifying it through the whole like... It's made by Stanley Kubrick, and he took forever to make films. So, like, the production probably took you through a good part of the 70s. <laughs> yeah, it starts. Does that work? Can yeah. we get away with that? I'm going to say it checks out. So, the images you see in The Shining are from the 70s. So, here's our first <laughs> 70s film. Yeah. That sounds legit. Let's just go with that. It's a stretch, but here we go. All right. So, this episode, as you've probably guessed by now, is is going to be talking about The Shining. Um, and that's starring Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. Um, and it was made by Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. So, Kubrick made like 13 feature films. This was like number 11. So, actually, kind of towards the end of his career. Oh, movie really? Wise. That's obviously not including the fact that he directed The Moon Landing. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I just thought I'd slide that in there. Slide that in? That's like opening up a major can of worms and we're only a few minutes into the episode. All I'm saying is if you check his IMDB, the moon landing is uncredited. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, before we get into this feature that Stanley Kubrick made, will we do a bit of a spoiler alert? I, I feel like the spoiler alert should, be cut, should come before I expose like the American government for faking moon landings. <laughs> That's probably a slightly bigger spoiler than what happens at the end of The Shining, but <laughs> aye, spoiler alert. Okay, so we're going to be talking about a movie, um, as always, we're going to be talking about it in some detail. Um, this film came out a long time ago, but some of you might not have seen The Shining, even though it's pretty iconic, um, and it's been referenced a lot of times in pop culture, which we will get into a little bit later. Um, if you haven't seen it and want to watch it with fresh eyes and not hear us talk about it first go watch the shining and then come back and join us if you've seen the shining or if you've not seen the shining and don't really care if we you know spoil it and expose it for you then grab some snacks settle on in and we'll get started yeah so this is like our latest jack nicholson film then. i know we talked about jack nicholson last week and here we are talking about good old jack again so do you want to explain the plot of the shining a wee bit Sure, okay. So Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall, they play a couple called Jack and Wendy Torrance and along with their son Danny, they head up to the mountains of Colorado at the start of the film to the Overlook Hotel where Jack has accepted a job to sort of be the caretaker for the hotel during their off-season. He's a writer and he's suffering from a bit of writer's block so he thinks that you know, five months, I think it is, um, of complete seclusion, peace and quiet, that'll get him back in the back in the zone, give him his mojo back, and hopefully um, he can produce the work that he wants to. So he bundles up his family into their little car, um, and they head up there for the winter. That all sounds lovely, I'm sure. That all sounds, you know, very nice, like, if only it all played out that way. The hotel itself has a lot of secrets, 
their son um, possesses a, a kind of psychic gift called the, the shining. shining. Yeah, and um, oh, what can I say? It just all goes horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if you want to if you want to jump in here and explain a little bit more about that because I feel like. I'm good at explaining when nice things happen. You're a little, you're a little bit more com- comfortable talking about when things are going badly. Yeah, so... This is your comfort zone. All is not as it seems yep. at the hotel. You said there, like, the sort of movie kicks off with some heading up to the hotel. And when we watched that again recently, like, that journey makes you so uncomfortable just yeah. watching it. Like, the movie doesn't ease you in at all. Like, the soundtrack for that car drive is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, screechy and it just jars you. It is. It's, um, it's one tone yeah. used quite a lot. Um, You know, lots of just one held note, like, yeah. f- for a little bit. And you're on edge. Before anything scary actually happens, you're half expecting that the car to go into a terrible accident or something just because you're so on edge but actually it's just a it's just a car ride up the mountain it's a funny thing because it's like it's beautifully shot it's like a sort of helicopter panning across watching the car go through the woods up towards the hotel but it's just the sound that accompany is horrible it's horrible and um, but that sets the tone for the movie i guess like yeah i mean that soundtrack is you know it's a repeat feature throughout the film so yeah, so the hotel, like we said, all is not as it seems. It's built on an ancient Indian burial ground. And I have to say, that's before that became a cliche. I just absolutely love that, though. Like, yeah. It makes me laugh, because like, like you say, it is a total cliche now, and I remember being away and thinking my school was built on one, because that was like <laughs> the rumour amongst kids. And like you don't you don't think back then, you're like, how many ancient Indians were cutting about in Cumbernauld? But, I mean... <laughs> It seemed like a reasonable enough shout at the time. But I love that that's a really creative rumour that you guys had about your school. Our rumours were just like which teachers, you know, might have been like divorced or alcoholics or something like that. We were were fully going ghosts. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, so the the journey up to the hotel, what's set in the scene is, like we say, really, really uncomfortable because of the soundtrack particularly. As soon as they get there as well, there's just loads of wee elements that kind of unnerve you the mm-hmm. whole time. So even before, like like you said, the story does kind of unravel. Um, Jack get, is driven nuts kind of partially by the seclusion, partially by the hotel itself. Yeah. Um, but there's just loads of wee elements that unnerve you as the story unravels even before you get to that point. It's like silly things like the layout of the hotel. Yeah. I mean, part of me watching it, is taking in the utter decor goals that are happening in the hotel. There's a lot of Aztec rugs, a lot of easy chairs. I mean, that carpet, which I'm sure you'll want to talk about in some detail pretty soon. But there's a lot of really nice late 70s decor happening in that hotel. And yet there's elements of the hotel that as you're watching it do make you feel a little bit on edge. So what genre would you say The Shining is? I would say thriller psychological horror yeah i agree with you i definitely think it's more thriller than horror yes i think it's like a kind of psychological terror rather than like a monster horror if that makes sense yeah well the thing is there's no jump scares in the shining which made people argue that it was a disappointing horror film when it first came out Uh, it's maybe just the way it's been built though because i think if you go expecting an out and out horror film you, you might be surprised by what you get instead there's only one murder in it 
Yeah. And there's only, I think, like two actual deaths in total yeah. on screen. But there's so a... the, the fear comes from like completely different sources. Yeah, I think for me, like how bold the images are, even if they're not scary, they stay with you. Like they stay with you for a really long time. So even though when you're watching it initially, you're thinking there's nothing jumping out at me. There's there's no like cheap scares in it. I'm not frightened watching this, but actually I feel sometimes like what you see on the screen is kind of, this is going to sound super dramatic, but I feel like it's almost like burned into your brain. And then when you think about that later, parts of the film are really lingering with you and that's what makes a really effective scary yeah, film. I agree with you. There's some images that do definitely stick with you. One of the ones that always sticks with me is like the scene with the woman in the bath. Oh God, I hate, <laughs> I hate oh, I knew you were going to, I hate that one. For me, it's more like the lift doors and like the blood cascading out of yeah. it. Like that's not frightening to look at. Yeah. But later on, you'll think about that a week after watching the film, it'll just pop into your brain. And I think, again, that's how why it is effective terror. It is effective horror. Yeah, I think the, the, the woman in the bath is probably scary for me, like for another reason, probably not the one that's jumping <laughs> out of you initially, but she gets out of the bath without putting like a towel down or anything on the floor. That's terrifying. I mean, what about when, <laughs> what, for me, I was shook when Jack got like two glasses of Advocat splattered all over his jacket. <laughs> I mean, these that's are, scary stuff. These are real moments of terror. Yeah, like, I was... A good jacket ruined and then just like that blatant disregard for, you get out of the bath soaking wet. And you just step straight onto the floor, no towel or anything. Yeah, I mean, I would have been flat on my backside if that was me. <laughs> I need about six towels down for a bit of traction so that I don't fall over. So we've managed to make it like 10 minutes in without mentioning that this is based on a Stephen King book. Yeah, we should have probably mentioned that a little bit earlier on. Also, it's not the only version of The Shining that was put um, you know, into the cinemas. but Yeah, but it's the only one worth watching. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Seems like a bold statement, but based on the other ones, it's really not. I mean, I've definitely only ever seen other carnations of the um, the Shining once, if that. Like, I've not. Whereas Stanley Kubrick one that we're talking about today, I've seen over and over and over again. Before we get into like the detail a wee bit about the Stephen King thing, because it is a bit of kind of controversy around like Stephen mm. King and Kubrick and and the sort of interpretation of the film and the book. Do you think this is the best? adaptation of a Stephen King book to a film? Oh, well, visually, yes, but I do like it. And I mean, like, the new, old one and the new, new one. Old it. No, I love Tim Curry. I like the old one and the new one. I'm trying to think of what, what else. Pet Cemetery. Oh, yeah, of course, Pet Cemetery. I like that too. There are a lot of them, but it's almost like some Stephen King books, I think, they struggle to make the jump to film. A lot of the ones, I remember getting a lot of them on video when I was young and you've got, they were always like two-parters, about four hours double total v running time. Double VHS. Yeah, so I'm thinking yeah. things like The Stand and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. you, you were always kind of hyped as a kid because you know that Stephen King and you know it's horror and then you watch it and you're like, it's, it's, to say it's a slow burn, yeah. most of these is, is to understate it yeah. massively. See, the thing with Pet Cemetery is, is, is one of my favourite um, Stephen King tales. Um, I loved, the, I had the old one on video. It was the first Stephen King book I ever read. So the Pet Cemetery, I've got a lot of love for that anyway. Um, I loved it when it came out. And when the new one came out, I think they've done a marvellous job with that. I would say 
The Shining for me is very different to those other Stephen King films because I see Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining almost as art committed to film rather than it being like a movie because it is so visual. Yeah, I think um, that's maybe what, what sets it apart a wee yeah. bit because you've got an actual, like, an, a sort of auteur. Like a yes, um, whereas the other ones, they are just, like, kind of... Horror. Yeah, like, kind of 80s, like, horror, yeah, yeah, horror film. And so it's... I think The Shining sits in a class on its own. Um, not necessarily better or worse, but it's just because of the way it's been created is so unique. It's hard to say that it's scarier or better or anything yeah. i just think it's so different yeah but i think that that's that's kind of where i wanted to go next was like how different it is because the book and the film are massively different and that created a lot of controversy back mm-hmm. because i think stephen king was quite annoyed that like this doesn't represent my book and kubrick's yeah. obviously taken the book as a sort of loose source material and then reimagined ran in yeah. his own direction with it um which is really interesting but I think the funniest part for me within that, though, is that not only did he go his own direction, but kind of trolled Stephen King a wee bit through that as well. Yeah. I can't remember what's the character's name again. Played by Scatman Crothers. Oh, the one that works in the hotel. Yeah, so he's driving back to the hotel Mm -hmm. to try and save the family when everything's went to... Yeah. Everything's went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And he drives by like a wee crashed red car. Which, like, the, the car in the book was a wee red car, so it's almost like a kind of dig at Stephen King yeah. in, the, in the book. He's saying, like, there's your ideas. Yeah, and obviously it could just be that they drove they drove past a crashed red car, but I think, I think the, with the, the amount the of thought is, that Stanley yeah. Kubrick puts into things, you know that that's probably not the case. Yeah, so Kubrick was pretty famous for, like, making sure, like, everything was meticulous. The, the way that we generally kind of read The Shining and stuff is that there's nothing in there by accident. Like everything's really carefully placed, and yeah. yeah, I mean every inch of what you see on screen, Stanley Kubrick has carefully considered that and curated it and put it together. Um, there, there are no accidents, even if you think that there's inconsistencies or anything like that. There's a very slim chance that that's ha- that that's happened non deliberately. So taking us back to the story a wee bit, obviously they arrive. Their goal is to just, I guess, just make sure that the place doesn't burn down over the time it's closed over the, the winter. Make sure the boiler's ticking over and, yeah, like yeah. just that the hotel is no kind one... of maintained. Like, if anything starts to fall apart, it's Jack's job to fix it. Yeah. So it sounds pretty straightforward, but Jack, with, I guess, writer's block and his struggle to pull together whatever, his next book or whatever, is coupled with, like, his son his kind of visions, like you see, his son has the shining, mm-hmm. um, which is a kind of mix between, like, I don't know, like clairvoyance and psychic My, powers. Mind reading, yeah. yeah. I can remember when I was a little boy, my grandmother and I could hold conversations entirely without ever opening our mouths. She called it shining. And for a long time, I thought it was just the two of us that had the shine to us. Just like you probably thought you was the only one. But there are other folks, though mostly they don't know it or don't believe it. So you can kind of see a bit of the future and a bit of the past. So he's like haunted a wee bit by what's happened in the hotel before. So that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just remembering the time I tried on your 
I tried on your glasses and felt like I could see the future. <laughs> That's not the future you see through my glasses. <laughs> it's the depths of despair. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> so, yeah, they're both pretty affected by their stay in yeah. the hotel. Um, kind of offends me a wee bit in a way because, like, this is basically my dream job. Well, do you know, I was just going to say, like, I was going to ask you if you would like to do that oh, and live man. in that hotel. See, during the job interview scene, when he talks about, you know, basically it's going to be five months of isolation. Are you oh. up for that? Your eyes lit up. <laughs> like, you just looked like that that would be the best offer that someone You're, could give you. The only annoyance for me is that it's only five months. <laughs> <laughs> Can we not just dream. close the hotel down and I'll just live in it forever? That's it. I'll make sure it doesn't fall apart. Just make sure nobody comes to visit. <laughs> We've got an agreement. Yeah, if anybody hears any jobs like that kicking about, I'm your man. Yeah. I'm your man. Um, yeah, so I get a wee bit offended because, like I say, five months in absolute seclusion just sounds like bliss. <laughs> Love that idea. And then I was laughing as well later on because obviously when things go wrong, um, the tension builds between Jack and his wife, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's um, not, and it's not easy having... I know that we kind of talked about this in Anna, the Annabelle episode. can be easy having a creepy wee kid. Like, oh, for sure. That definitely drives a wedge between parents, <laughs> doesn't it? I mean... <laughs> you generally but, you've got one parent who's got that sort of, but he's still our kid. And then you've got the other one going, I but he's a nutcase. <laughs> Like, he's actually got supernatural powers. This this isn't going to turn out well for any of us here. <laughs> what I was going to say is there's another bit in it that makes me laugh at the film because, again, like, we've got Jack being tortured and, and really starting to lose his mind and I'm looking at it thinking, your situation's maybe not so bad. So when it totally escalates and then um, Jack's being attacked by a baseball bat and then the wife ends up walking him in, like, the food cupboard... Yeah, that's right. So, but there's definitely worse places to be locked up because he gets beaten. He gets beaten up around the head, obviously. And you're <laughs> thinking, all right, okay, fair enough. And he deserved it. That's all cool. But she locks him in the food cupboard, and he ends up just like eating Oreos and peanut butter. And again, I'm looking at it thinking, this isn't so bad. I mean, in terms of like predicaments to get yourself into. <laughs> that's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, during one of those um, scenes that we talked about at the start, as you're getting to grips with the layout of the hotel. There's a lot of tracking shots at the start where they're getting a tour of their new home for the next five months. And one of the places that they get the tour of is the food storage cupboard, which turns out, as we've just said later on in the film, is a key location because um, Wendy locks Jack inside that food. But yeah, he sits and eats peanut butter and cookies. And Aye. I mean, big... he might have a slight concussion, but still, worst ways to spend a day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think those scenes that you were talking about are really, really interesting because they spend a lot a lot of time at the start sort of setting the scene and setting the location and then totally break all that later, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting because, again, we, we look, at that, look at that from the point of view of, like, it's not a mistake, mm-hmm. it's not a continuity error, it's, like, a genuine, I guess, attempt to, again, unsettle you a wee bit yeah. because... You're watching it, and I, I th- you probably only get here if you've watched it as many times as us, but eventually you're looking at it and you are thinking like that the layout I, then later on just doesn't make sense. They've set up like certain corridors, certain routes through the mm-hmm. hotel, but then they, they break that logic later. Yeah, and you definitely, well, I certainly didn't pick up on that the first time I watched it. 
something that I noticed uh, when we rewatched this recently was how quickly paced it is. So a lot happens in it over the space of a few days. So in my mind, you know, Jack um, and his, his wife and his kid, they go up to the hotel and eventually he goes crazy. Aye. He doesn't go crazy eventually. He goes crazy very, quick, eh? very quickly within yeah. the space of a couple of days. Yeah. He's, you know, chasing people around with an axe. <laughs> it's almost like he was already crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the, the main scenes, obviously, and again, something watching this that, that makes me laugh now is that the, you've got this sort of all work and no play. So Wendy finds his book or what she thinks he's been working on over like, like you say, it's not actually been as long as you, you think in your head sometimes. But he's, he's been spending been, a lot of time on his own though. Spending at the a lot of time. Yeah. And she obviously thinks that he's now partway through his book, but actually all he's been doing is typing all work and no play. <laughs> yeah it makes me laugh though because i'm thinking is he making the film it would have been somebody's job imagine to it. sit and type because all that now out. you just control v it no mm-hmm. bother no bother but, you get that done in five minutes but also, back then somebody sat at a typewriter for months mm-hmm. to put all those pages together and also they will have had to have sat and done it like that because it's not perfect so it's not yeah. all work and no play makes jack a dull boy perfectly spaced perfectly punctuated and, and basically copied. just copied all <laughs> there's little um discrepancies with it all the way through so i was thinking the same thing that's so funny that it would have been someone's job to sit and do that and how do you even decide who gets to do that like or who has to do that i think it was his secretary like kubrick's secretary oh my god imagine it what a job i know if you think you're coming in to answer the phone and you end up all working no play makes jack a dull boy for the next three months <laughs> And just slightly mix it up every so often. Yeah. I don't know. To be fair, it's probably not any worse than some jobs I've had. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you sit and type it all out in a one-hour? And, you know, and you'll just naturally make those mistakes? Or do you do a page a day over probably... Fair, yeah, you are asking someone who done more than their fair share of punishment exercises in school. <laughs> <laughs> so how would you have done it? <laughs> I was a pro. <laughs> So one of the things I thought was quite interesting was, um, you know how like when directors are making films and like they use like source material to get like the cast and crew sort of into the mindset of here's what I want to create. Okay. So Kubrick had three films that he made everyone watch that he wanted to sort of influence the tone in that of The Shining. Oh really? Yeah, can you guess? What would you guess if you had to guess what the three were? I honestly like have no idea. Like... The big ones. Yeah, but pre the there have been big ones yeah, pre yeah. the shining. Um, are they films that I like? Yeah. Nothing jumping out. Wizard of Oz? Nah. So the first one, Eraserhead. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. That yeah. one that film can make people feel quite uneasy. Like, Aye, yeah. yeah, so I think like, tonally you get a lot from that. The second one was Rosemary's Baby and the third one The Exorcist. Oh, so it would have just been all kind of I thought it would like the reason why I said the Wizard of Oz was just because it's, you know... Yeah, yeah, but that's, like, Wizard of Oz just influenced, like, everything made sense, really. It's yeah. almost, like, unspoken. Into that's it. very true. But, yeah, those three. And then I think when you when you think about those three and you put them together, that does kind of give you the tone of The Shining. Yeah. I think. Yeah, definitely. You've got that sort of, like, abstract imagery from Eraserhead. Mm-hmm. Rosemary's Baby, you've got that, this isn't really a horror film, so why do I feel terrified when I'm watching it? It's because this is no dream, this is really happening. There you go, this is The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> and The Exorcist. 
Um, yeah. Probably like the less obvious of the three, I would say, in terms of like overt influence on in The Shining. But yeah. yeah, I get it. Like it's a hor- it's a horror I, film. And I think was... the more horrific parts of The Shining come from The Exorcist. Yeah. Of the three. So while I'm on a wee roll, I hit you with my facto. Okay, let's go, Gary's facto. So obviously Kubrick was pretty famous in this film for like torturing the actors mm-hmm. in it um, to get performances from them mm-hmm. and that's obviously pretty clear especially with Wendy in it like mm-hmm. that our performance is so convincing I think because a lot of it was probably real based on what you've heard about how the film was made but what I thought was quite funny was obviously like the way that Kubrick tortured Jack Nicholson to get the performance out of him it's totally not what you would expect you think like okay he's playing a guy who's like secluded and everything like mm-hmm. he's starting to lose his mind a wee bit he's struggling like, put him into that mindset, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, withhold his lines from him, don't tell him what he's going to be filming that day, lock him away in his trailer. Like, that's what you would think, eh? Yeah. Nah. He fed him on solely cheese sandwiches for two weeks. <laughs> 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 Which apparently Jack Nicholson hates. Oh, wow. So I'm again, not, again. Not, not a fan of the dearly. This is my theme for the whole thing. So Jack Nicholson, secluded, you're working five months at a hotel yourself, absolute dream right mm-hmm. you're locked in the food cupboard oreos and peanut butter great because all I've, all I've had to eat recently is cheese sandwiches cheese sandwiches for two weeks i've been eating cheese sandwiches for years like <laughs> <laughs> two weeks of breeze he's tortured and loses his mind because of things that i would consider it'd be my dream existence do you know what i've just remembered this or not a scene where he's in that great big room sitting at his typewriter writing and wendy comes over and says Oh, I'll come back with a sandwich in a little while if you like. <laughs> His reaction to that was probably like genuine disdain. <laughs> Don't you mention sandwiches to me, Wendy. You keep on walking. What do you think then would be the scariest scene in The Shining? We've kind of said about what scenes were pretty scary, but in terms of proper iconic horror. I don't know if there is like one that jumps out for me. I think like the images that jump out are like, for me are the actual it's like the hotel is the scary like mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard to put it across but to me like when I think of The Shining I just think of the hotel the I hotel. think of the carpets the design the layout it's like the hotel is like the monster I don't suppose they uh, told you anything in Denver about the tragedy we had up here during the winter of 1970 I don't believe they did well uh, my predecessor in this job Hired a man named Charles Grady as the winter caretaker. And he came up here with his wife and two little girls, I think about eight and ten. And he had a good employment record, good references. And from what I've been told, I mean, he seemed like a completely normal individual. But at some point during the winter, he must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amok and uh, (laughs) killed his family with an axe. So there's no scene where I think like, oh, that scare was terrifying or this mm-hmm. was terrifying. You've got loads of iconic bits. You've got the blood coming out the left. You've got the here's Johnny burst through the door with the axe. You've got the twins. You've got the twins, obviously, which is really, really good. But I think like scarier than the twins is the really long shot that establishes that before you see the twins. So you follow Danny through the halls of the hotel yeah. on and off the carpet and the sound of like his wee kind of tricycle mm-hmm. thing that's scarier than then when you actually see the twins. Yeah. So it's those sort of things in that film. It's almost like the build-up is way scarier than the payoff, which yeah. like ties into that whole, 
it's the kind of film that sticks with you after mm -hmm. rather than scaring you and affecting you while you're actually watching it. In addition to those long shots as well, there's quite a lot of mixed in with that, those blinking, you'll miss it. A lot of like, and yeah, which I think maybe that's where the Exorcist influence comes from because there's a lot of like almost subliminal mm -hmm. like shots yep. that it's only after the fact, like people will kind of point them out and then you'll see them every time you watch afterwards. But that first time through, obviously like your brain registers them, but your eyes don't really see them, if that makes sense. I think like, a lot of the time it's supposed to be stuff that Danny is getting flashes of in yeah. his mind. The mixture of those long shots that you get too comfortable and then suddenly something you like is it too comfortable, but at the same time you know something's coming. It's that anticipation, and what I love about that is is that that's influenced so much horror since then. Like if you think about films like The Witch, where those there's those long shots of like the forest and the creaking trees, and nothing's really happening, and you're almost sitting waiting for something to jump out, but it doesn't. And it's when it doesn't that it's more effective. Yeah. And when it does, you're almost like I don't know if it's just me, but I'm a bit like ah. Oh. I kind of yeah. like when it sets that up and nothing happens and then it does that again and again over time yeah. and builds that real tension. As a film, this is like the master of mm -hmm. exactly that. Yeah. So what would you rate it? I'd give The Shining a strong 8. An 8? Mm-hmm. I've given it a 9. Yeah. A 9. Yeah. Um, I think, like like we've said before, super influential. Like, visually for me, and that always seems to, like, I'm thinking back to, like, previous scores, I must be a dead visual person because, like, visually, yeah, is always how I kind of rate a film. Definitely. I think, like, but yeah, again, for me, like, the films that score high for me are ones that I find visually appealing, and that this definitely ticks that box. Yeah, I mean, there's so many parodies and tributes to The Shining now. There's endless references in pop culture. My personal favourite is from The Simpsons, like Treehouse of Horror Five, which is The Shining, um, <laughs> and I know you love that one too. I think that we actually can't talk about watching The Shining without calling it The Shining. I think that's like, you know, and that shows. Yeah. And, and it's been referenced in everything from Slipknot music videos to like premiere in adverts to Lenny Henry. I mean, that, if that's not... If it's that's, like the most wide-ranging. Yeah, but, but that's what I mean. It's, it's clearly something that's had a huge yeah. impact on pop culture. Everybody knows the, the sort of here's Johnny scene, if nothing else, eh? So yeah, I think it's definitely like a collective 8.5 then from us here at Movie Things. What's really interesting is the fact that um, Doctor Sleep comes out in November this year. Yeah, looking forward to that. The trailer's quite quite good. So for those of you who don't know what Doctor Sleep is, um, that is going to be a film that's out later on this year. Um, Ewan McGregor's in it, and he's actually playing Danny Torrance all grown up. Um, he's still got his kind of shining psychic powers, um, but he's still struggling a bit because he's went through all this trauma as a kid with his with his parents. And I'm interested to see what they do with that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if like it's anywhere near the shining kind of tonally because Kubrick is like sort of out on a limb there. It's like yeah. difficult. I wouldn't want to see someone do a Kubrick impression, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it's just someone using that character yeah. And that... Um, do something different with it. I it think need you, to ha be totally you have different. to. You yeah. have to. You, you want to see a bad Stanley Kubrick impression. Oh, for sure. Only the Simpsons can, can get away with that. And at least, they, <laughs> at least they know that. They know to change enough bits so they don't get sued. <laughs> no copyright infringement here. Yeah. 
Cool. So does that about wrap us up on the shining? Then? I think so. I think that that's pretty much it. I mean, you we've managed to not turn it into a conspiracy theory podcast, which I'm quite glad I about. Know. Every time I've almost went there, I can see you giving me the eyes. So I thought <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll keep away from that. But if you're interested, um, there's a, an awful lot of interpretations of what the shining's actually about. Mm-hmm. It ranges from everything to like Kubrick's sort of Holocaust movie to to, to Kubrick's admission that he directed the moon landings via almost everything in between yeah there's a lot of different theories around you know it's not just a movie it's not just based on the stephen king book there's a lot of other stuff going on there yeah and i think like that's one of the main things i like about the shining is that i like a movie that's got like a whole sort of mythical world built around it Mm -hmm. if that makes like so i'm really i'm into that i think what i noticed most re-watching recently was how rewatchable The Shining is. Yeah. Like you, you can really watch that film over and over again and you'll notice different wee bits, you'll see different things, you'll appreciate different things every time. But then there's also like a whole world of stuff surrounding the making of the movie from the sort of Kubrick and Stephen King conflict mm-hmm. to all the theories on... And some of the theories are like laughable, some of them are yeah. hilarious, but it's a great wee world to dip into if you watch this film and enjoy it. So what would you recommend people maybe hit up if they're interested in finding out more about stuff like that? Room 237 is... Ah, saying it's worth a watch, it's it's niche. Mm-hmm. Like If that sort of thing that I just described there is up your street, watch Room 237. Yep. It's great in terms of giving you all a, a quick breakdown of the different theories behind what the movie's actually about. You'll go from like sort of shaking your head and thinking that's ridiculous to oh I never noticed that. And now I'm going to watch the film again and look out exactly. for it. Exactly. Yeah. So and that takes you back to your rewatchability. So yeah, big fan. I think regardless of what the film's about and what it's actually about and what it might actually be about with regards to the moon landings, I really want Danny's sweater with the rocket ship on it and the carpet. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, taking us back again, but aesthetically very very pleasing yeah it is, it is it's brilliant so i guess that's our show pretty awesome. much on, on the shining so if you're not already following movie things pod on twitter or instagram be sure to come and say hi um, and chat with us yeah tell us about um, your favorite scenes from the film what images stick out for you most and especially let us know if your school was built on an ancient indian burial ground <laughs> yeah i want to know if it's more than just one of the schools in cumbernauld <laughs> hate to think what's buried under Cumberland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool and um, if you can wherever you're listening um, give us a wee rating because it really does help yeah we super appreciate that and if you've got time to give us a little review as well let us know if you're enjoying the show but that's it for this week um, so thanks so much for listening uh, we're going to go and jump in our car and drive up a mountain see if we can find you've a hotel you've always got jumping in cars at the end of episodes like we're, <laughs> I don't know if we're filming these where we're like just then randomly swing into the car and get out of there <laughs> I'm going nowhere man I'm going into seclusion for five months I've been heavily influenced by The Shining well that's slightly worrying but okay <laughs> see if you can find me one of those sweaters if you're that <laughs> heavily influenced yeah so jump in nowhere but that's our episode for the week Okay, thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.